Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we had a great Thanksgiving at my house. I hope you enjoyed yours too. Uh, pumpkin pie always goes good with coffee, amen? So good. And it goes good at 6 a.m. and then at noon and then in the evening. I was trying to do a, a window of eating, kind of this intermittent fasting where maybe I ate from 11 to 6 or, you know, 12 to 8. I did eat in that window. <laughs> also ate in the window before and the window after. Anybody, anybody else know what I mean? Yeah, so good, so good. Hey, if you would open up your Bibles today, we're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to get a little wisdom this morning from Solomon. I was talking to pastor earlier today, and I said, I don't even feel like I have the, the resume to be able to do this. I'm a parent of an eight-year-old, so I've been parenting now for eight years, and some of you guys have been parenting longer than I've been alive, so bless you for that. Um, but uh, we're going we're gonna to figure out what the Bible says together. Amen? Amen. Amen. We're going to talk, continue the uh, conversation about family matters. I get to do the last installment today. And we're going to talk about the role of a parent. And we're going to talk about the role of a, children, of a child, of children or of a child. Amen? Let's open up with some prayer. How does that sound? Just kidding. No, I'm playing. I do that to my youth all the time when they're talking really loud. And I do that. Let's pray, though. That wasn't as funny for y'all guys. Okay. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your hand in our lives, God. We bless you this morning. God, we pray that your word would come alive in our hearts and our lives, God. That's what we want. This is real stuff that really matters, and let it matter to us, Father. Give us direction and guidance, and we love you. And everybody says? Amen. Amen. I'm with Tanner, man. I'm excited to be here. I missed you guys. I had a ton of fun with my own family, so I have a new five-week-old nephew. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. His name's Fisher. Fisher Brady. And... Uh, my wife was down there at his birth in College Station, and I did not go down to his birth. I stayed up here, and I knew once I held him, I would be hooked. You know what I mean? So I've been kind of not, you know, oh, you know. And then my wife, before I held him, my wife and I would go to stores, and I would say, Mary, you realize that he's not our child, right? I mean, he's ours, but every time we go to a store, we don't have to buy something for him. I mean, you realize that, right? So I hold him, and then we go to Walmart. <laughs> yeah, so now he's got one of those little bitty things you settle them in, and you turn it on, and he just kind of looks up at you and plays with stuff, and it vibrates, and it's so great, man. It is so great. And uh, so I'm hooked now. But we got to spend time with Fisher, and just looking at him, man, you see the face of God, amen? Those yawns and different things, so precious. So we had a great time with our family, and I hope you guys did too. This morning, as we endeavor to um, take this journey together, that's what it is, a journey. Uh, it, it, the Bible cautions us, it says, be anxious for nothing. How many of you guys know that building a family, raising children, loving your spouse, building a marriage takes time? It's just, we, we, we're going to hear some wonderful things. We've heard some wonderful things the last two installments of this, um, but it takes time. We can't let anxiety and these things overrun us. If things aren't changing like we think, we've got to take a deep breath and say, God, we're going to work at your pace. Amen. The pilgrims, which was a name actually given to the pilgrims by the pilgrims, in about, uh, let's see, 1620, it was about 1608, a group of people got together in England and said, we're going to go to the Netherlands. And they, they, they made it up to the Netherlands, and they stayed there for 12 years. 
And over a 12-year period, this desire to govern themselves, this desire to be able to worship freely just overwhelmed them. So they got together. There was probably a couple hundred of them. They got together, and they got on this ship called the Speedwell. They sailed down to England, where they met up with another ship called the Mayflower. And they decided that they did that in August, and I believe in or July, and then in August they set sail out, and whenever they did, the Speedwell sprung a leak. So in, the, in their voyage, they actually had to turn around and come back to England and unload off the May, uh, uh, Speedwell, and then about 103 of them crammed on this ship, the Mayflower. Now, these weren't luxury ships, you know what I mean? Okay, these, these, were, these were like old wine barges. And they piled up on the ship, and half of them, about half of them said, hey, we're taking this as a sign from God that he doesn't want us to go if our boat's already springing a leak, so we're going to stay here. But about 103 of them, and it was interesting, there was pregnant women in that, of course, children and men and women and just families that went, and they felt like this is what we have for legacy. The desire to self-overwhelmed was they set sail. And they actually said, the geographers now said that the, um, the, the currents were so bad and the storms that arose so bad in the ocean that this, the ship, the mast, which is the central part of the ship that holds the sail, would have dipped in the water both directions. That's how bumpy of a ride it was, so to speak. You can imagine what that does to your stomach <laughs> whenever you're doing that. There was human excrement everywhere, people just upchucking all over. And for 60-some-odd days, they endured this because they felt that it was worth having freedom and freedom of religion. Amen? And as I read their story, I was thinking about my fight for the family. God, what must I endure what must I walk through that I could be a man of God who fights for his family? Not somebody else, God. Don't send somebody else. Send me. And I know many of you guys as women and men have that same desire in your life. Winston Churchill, one of his famous speeches to the House of Commons, 1940. They've pretty much entered into the war by 39. He's in his House of Commons and he delivers the speech, fight on the beaches. And basically to sum it up, he says, we're going to fight on the beaches, we're going to fight on the land. We're going to fight in the hills, we're going to fight in the forest. We're going to fight, we're going to fight, we're going to fight, and we will not surrender. And I drew inspiration from that. I was thinking about the power of the family, that we need to fight in prayer for our family. We need to fight in the altars for our family. We need to fight in our homes for our families, in our educational institutions for our families, right? We need to fight down the children's hall of the church for our families. We need to fight. We need to fight. We need to pray and never, never, never give in. Winston Churchill says, never give in, never give in, never, never, never. And in today's society, if there's ever been attack on the family, the biblical model, we're living in it. And we have to muster up so it's not a spirit of malice that I come to you this morning. But it's a spirit that we've got to fight. And it's not always with words, it's not always with actions. Many times the fight is in my quiet time. Submitting before my God and saying, what do I have to change? 
so that as we look back on our country and we see that they set sail in the Mayflower and wrote the Mayflower Compact, which was really one of the fundamental documents for our freedom, that they may look back at us as parents, as grandparents, as children and say, that was their finest hour. They might look back at me as a dad and say, that was his finest hour. I might look back at y'all as parents and grandparents and said, I remember dad praying. I remember mom praying. I remember grandparents praying. I remember them fighting the fight of faith. Amen. And that's what Paul says. He said, I fought the fight of faith. I've ran the course. And how many of us know that this is a course? This is not going to happen overnight. But God has destined us to not only take back what the enemy has stolen from us, but keep him from taking stuff. Amen? Amen. It's okay to keep him from taking stuff. So let's get a little bit of wisdom from Solomon this morning. I'm in trouble, Pastor. I started out with my altar call first. I don't know how that's going to work out here, but (laughs) that was actually my... So we're going to work backwards here, okay? Let's go ahead and dig in. Proverbs chapter 1. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. I mean, you know that mama can lay down the law, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen, amen, I got you, I got you. I heard some, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's amen, I guess, right? right okay. It's not the King James Version, but it's an amen. Okay. For they will be graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. This is where we're going to park it for a little while. Now, we're going to go through some different scripture in the Bible, obviously. But here Solomon begins to write in this chapter. Now, Proverbs is not necessarily written by Solomon alone. Many different people have, they believe, has, has really written the Sol, Sol, uh, Proverbs. But if you took a one-liner, how do you describe the book of Proverbs? It's been there, done that. If you listen to me, (laughs) I'll save you time and money. It's people that are wise sharing wisdom. And the reason why they're wise is because they've messed up. Amen? (laughs) I'm a whole lot wiser after a failure, right? But we can be wise after a success if we listen. We can look back and, wow, that was successful because I listened. Amen? So here, what are the roles of the children and what are the roles of the parents? I want to endeavor this morning to start out with parents. As he talks in Proverbs 1 here, he says, my dear son. So he's writing to his son. He's writing, he's saying, listen to me. And this was the richest, wisest guy in the Bible. And before he ever gets to this, he begins to talk about how we should obtain instruction and justice. When we're young, we need to walk in knowledge and discretion He talks before about the importance of counsel. He reminds us, he reminds us this. He says, listen, the beginning of knowledge and wisdom is the fear of God. The very next thing that he says, my son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. How powerful is that? Love God, do what he says, And then the next thing is honor your parents and do what they say. It sounds like the Ten Commandments, which we'll get to here in a second. Isn't it neat how the Bible just kind of flows together? Isn't that really cool? My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Now, parents, this is really important because the second half of that talks about how the ornament around our our heads, or it could be a grace, a garland, 
it's, it's kind of given us a word picture there of grace on our heads and chains around our neck. So this becomes important to his parents because my kid will be known as Matt's child. That's what it's saying here. So as Callie does, which is my eight-year-old, as Callie does, I, and how many, of you, how many of you parents have ever looked at the opposite spouse and said, that is blah, blah, blah's daughter, right? Yeah, Mary's looked at me and that is your daughter, Matt. And sometimes I'm like, yes, it is. That was pretty funny. Other times I'm like, no, that's your daughter, okay? Your daughter. You know, you birthed her, okay? Your fault. Which I get that laugh from her. And then she walks out of the room and I got to take care of business, you know? But we're known by the way that we raise our kids. That's the reason why it's become so important. It becomes very personal, amen? But as we read this scripture, what's the first thing that I get from it? We have to be, as parents, we have to be willing to direct our children. Give our children direction. Proverbs 22 and 15 says, Folly, or that word can also be foolishness, is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him or her. Built into the heart of a child, according to Scripture, there's going to be folly and foolishness. That's the reason why they need direction. It's just birthed into them. It's not something they've gone after. It's not something that they've done. But according to Scripture, foolishness is just in the heart of a child. Now, Jeremiah, the great prophet, warns us in 17 and 9 of, of, of Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? So whenever we don't give a child direction who has folly and foolishness in his heart, and then they begin to chase it, they're chasing something that they don't know how to respond to. So if we don't give them direction, we see that in our generation today where kids seem to raise themselves. And we wonder why would they make this choice or why would they do that? Because they're following their heart but the heart says, in the heart of a child is foolishness and folly. So if I don't give them direction, and then they begin to chase after that, they, 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 and this is tough language, they chase after something that's desperately sick. Now, does that mean it's perverted and warped? Not completely. But it does mean that it will lead you astray. It does mean that it will lead us straight. Now, this is the thing, though. As we, we give our children direction, we also have to give them affection, okay? So this is not the iron hand of the law. You know what I mean? Everybody knows somebody in their life that has one of those, and nobody wants to be around them, amen? Okay? So this is direction with affection. But listen, as you give your kids direction, as I direct Callie, I also don't want to forget to dream with her, Amen? Let's dream with our children. Sometimes I just want to sit back and what do you want to be? Let's talk about what you want to do when you grow up. She draws something on a, on, a, on, a, on a book. What is it? It's the unicorn of the sea. Sounds good to me. I don't know what that is. I think it's a Norwal, right? That's what I learned from, from Callie and Mary, the unicorn of the sea. But she begins to dream and tells me these are the things I want to do. I want to become a nurse. I want to help people. I want to go over to different countries and dig water wells and do all these things. And what I don't want to do is cut her off in the middle of that. But I also have to instill direction. If this is your heart, then what, what are some of the steps, Callie? What are some of the steps that we can do to get there? We can't be missing every other day of school and not be caring about our grades. 
We can't be an NBA star or an NFL star or whatever kind of star we want to, but we're too lazy to go to practice. So we've, we've got to be willing to direct it and God. Now, so we got to do a direction with affection. we got to let them dream. So after we direct, this is the next thing I see from that scripture because it says instruction, instruction. So instruction implies that I'm directing them, but I also have to be willing to train them. Very familiar scripture, Proverbs 22 and 6. Train up a child in the way that they should go. So when I, the scripture, it tells me to train a child up. That means I've got to be watching and engaging my child and see what they're good at. That means they've got to be more important to me than a lot of stuff. Because if I'm going to train them and I'm going to direct them, then I've got to know where their heart's at and what they feel. This is what they lend themselves towards. And it's hard. I'm not saying at, at you know, eight years old, I've got Callie's life planned out. But I do know that she does like to serve. So maybe a nurse or something like that might be where she wants to go. So as I direct, I train. But this is the thing. Don't train in shame. Don't train in shame. Remember, training implies that people don't know what they're doing. (laughs) If I'm being trained, I don't know what I'm doing or I'm not very good at what I'm doing. Amen? And sometimes in our society, parents, because our schedules are just blasted, man, we have something probably almost every hour of the day. What we tend to do if we're not careful is I'll just do it myself. How many of you guys have ever said that? It took you, or or something like this, it took you two hours to mop the kitchen? Well, it was their second time, maybe. But whenever we train, we have to give steps and directions. Now, this is what Colossians warns us about, and and, and, uh, Randy read it this morning. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. What it's saying there is whenever we train, we've got to have our attitudes in the right spot, because if not, we break and discourage. And this is what this Bible says about a person who has a broken spirit. In the book of Proverbs, again, it says this in 18.14. It says, a man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. So as I train my child, I need to make sure my attitude is in check. And I don't have time frames necessarily. Because they're learning, they're developing, we're trying to go. This five-week-old uh, nephew of mine, could you imagine if, if Callie, Callie, you know, it's amazing how she's just, these little girls are attracted to babies. My goodness, man. You know, I, when I was nine, I didn't want to change a baby's diaper. I didn't want to be, I just, you know, I didn't want to play with them. I'm outside throwing rocks at stuff or something, right? But she's inside. And could you imagine me if I was overbearing and said, you're changing her diaper wrong. Let me show you how to do that. Now, all of a sudden, what I've done is I've crushed her spirit, something she was very excited about and she wanted to know how to do because of my impatience, because I wasn't gentle and kind. Now, I've crushed the opportunity. And now, instead of her teaching and getting better at that training session because of my attitude, now I'm rebuilding a bridge to gain trust back. And this is, just hang with me, hang with me here. I don't know if it's going to get better, just hang with me, Okay. So, and this is the neat thing. So as she sees that my attitude is reflecting on her training, I'm actually teaching her to have the right attitude. 
When things are not going your way, when they're not happening as quickly as you want them to, when people aren't doing stuff like you think they should do, I'm actually modeling to her in my attitude that you can still have the right attitude, right? Because training is incredibly important. So I'm going to direct them because I understand there's foolishness in their heart. And I'm going to do this in love and I'm going to train them because training is important because in training you develop work ethic. You develop problem-solving skills. If there's one thing I would say that our generation is lacking is it's problem-solving. If it doesn't happen right now the way that I thought it, I'm out. As opposed to having some of the grit of the old men and old women who said, we're going to keep trying and keep trying and keep trying and I'm going to keep showing up and keep showing up and keep showing up. And we're going to figure this thing out. Problem-solving is very crucial. Practice and consistency Another, the final thing is, 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 is I'm training, we're training our children to keep our feelings in check. So now we're not being leaded, led and guided by our emotions, which are, we know that our emotions and everything is tied to our heart. And what does the Bible say about our heart? So we're learning to look through that and saying, what do I need to do? So direct, we've got to train. And this is the third one. As parents, we have to be willing to discipline. Now, I'm, we're not giving rights at Ray of Hope to go out there and beat your kids. That's not what we're saying. Okay, so let me preface it with that. At my house, I do use the rod of correction from time to time. And my parents, I don't, you know, I was telling them earlier, I don't know if my parents ever said this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I, I, I tossed her, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I ever heard that. <laughs> But I've told Callie that, and I understand. I remember busting Callie, and then I'm sitting on the couch crying. Yeah, it took a lot of guts just to, I'll be honest with you on that. It did. You you guys know what I'm saying? And and whenever I discipline a child, so I'm going to ground you while I'm really grounding myself. Because somebody's got to pay attention and make sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing because their heart's full of foolishness and they want to get out of it. So it takes discipline. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Now, in that scripture is a gem. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. As we discipline our kids, as we train our kids, as we direct our kids, this is what happens. It becomes very weary on them. Because they're trying to do right and they mess up and we gotta make sure our attitude's in check because it becomes very weary. And this is what will happen. It says, my son, do not despise. They can start to despise us as parents. If it's done in the wrong attitude, in the wrong way. How many of you know sometimes it can be done in the right attitude, the right way, and kids are still gonna give you attitude? Yeah, amens all across. It's going to happen. But I have to be on guard. I have to be on my toes. I have to be aware and knowing that as I instruct, as I direct, as I discipline, this stuff becomes weary. And not in the right way at the right time, I can actually create a spirit where they despise it. Yesterday, and I asked Callie for permission to share this story, Yesterday, I'm sitting on the couch, and we have a rule in my household. She's nine. We have a rule. It's simple. No boyfriends. 
We don't have school boyfriends. We don't have home boyfriends. We don't have boyfriends. I'm your dad. I'm good enough for you now. That's the rule. We don't do it. We're not holding hands and all that other stuff. Man, you start that stuff in kindergarten, you're going to be fighting that stuff for the rest of your life. That's my opinion. I'm off my soapbox. My opinion. So we're sitting on the couch last night and holding baby Fisher, and they know the right time to admit their faults, don't they? Yeah. So I'm holding baby Fisher, and she looks up at me, and she goes, Dad, she says, I got to tell you something. I'm like, okay. You know, I don't know what's going on. She goes, I held hands with a boy. But I'm preparing for this sermon. <laughs> so my attitude, <laughs> attitude is important. I was sharing with a couple out in the hall. The reason why, especially in this situation, to me is so important because what I don't want to do is burn any bridges between her and relationships with guys. I want her to come talk to me. So she looks up at me and she's, and this is the neat, she's been worried about this for four days. And this happened back in kindergarten or something. She's in third grade now. It's funny how God, as you get older and mature, he'll bring up stuff in your past and be like, okay, we need to get that straight. But I'm preparing for the sermon. And I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm preaching to myself, you know, this is what we do. Okay, what's my attitude going to be? Do I look at her and say, what part of do not have, do you not understand? Or do I make sure I bring kindness and gentleness to it, realizing that the Lord's already been pounding her for four days, and she has enough guts and courage to look up at me and say, we need to talk about this. And a lot of times that correction's in that. Does that make sense? But my attitude was very important there. And I had to look at her and say, sweetheart, and I had to be honest with her and say, I love you, and we all make mistakes, and I'm glad you came forward with this. You know, and then my next one was, were you forced to do that? Because now it's another issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, just saying. We're protect our families. No, 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 it wasn't any of that. I did it. Okay, that's fine. But my attitude was very key in how she responded to me. But I also had to be honest with her and say, now listen, it's different if this behavior continues. Now we have to turn to discipline and correction. But my attitude was absolutely important at that time. Amen. So we have to be willing to direct, we have to be willing to train, and we have to be willing to discipline. And this is what Proverbs 29 and 17, it says. It says, or actually, let me back up here. I want to I read one verse to you, Proverbs 23, 13, and 14. Let's just read verse 14. It says, if you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. Interesting word choice there, Sheol. Sheol, sometimes when it's used in the Old Testament, means hell. Many times it means a dark place. Think about that. Think of how many kids in today's society struggle with anxiety and depression. Darkness on their life. And it was because of a lack of direction, a lack of training, and a lack of discipline. It was a lack of, uh, of parents being come involved and trying to pull them from that, amen? And I know it's really hard. I'm not saying we're perfect at parenting. But whenever foolishness is bound up in the heart and kids are raising themselves, they're going to be involved in things they don't need to be involved in because they're going to be involved in things that is foolish and silly. And here it says if we will discipline our kids, then we'll save them from those dark places. Amen. Interesting thing too, in Proverbs 29, 17, it says if we discipline, it, gives, it actually gives us rest and it gives delight in our heart. It gives us delight in our heart, Amen.
that we, and sometimes, guys, kids are imperfect. Sometimes it's me laying my head down on the pillow and say, I really tried. I think it's been mentioned here before, right? God is God, and he's the most amazing parent ever. And he still had a couple kids that wouldn't do what he asked. It's going to happen. But I can lay my head down. So what's the, children's, what, what, what's the children's responsibility in this? Well, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and not forsake your mother's teaching. The first thing that I see in that is our parents need our help, kiddos. Our parents need our, our, our help. And God has equipped us with tools to help them. Matter of fact, in Psalms 8 and 2, it says, Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies, the silence, the foe, and the avenger. That means, children, we can help our parents spiritually. We can pray for them. We can ask God to put a hedge of protection around them. We can, we can listen and heed to them. How much, let me ask you this, parents. How much less tension is there in your house when your parents do what you ask, or when your kids do what you ask? How much less tension is there in marriage when parents do, or when kids do what they're asked? I'll take no answer as a amen. It is. So children, by doing what our parents ask us to do, we relieve tension. By praying for them and praying for their guidance as they direct us, that God would protect them. God says you have a voice. You can break down strongholds with your voice. That's a very powerful statement. We can heed to those instructions and hints if we're listening when it says, listen to your father. It's not just saying every time your mother or father gives you advice, it's saying, listen. What kind of hints are they dropping? What kind of advice are they giving through actions? I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen. That's one of the greatest ways I can help is when I listen. Help come, <laughs> the Bible says that, that, that Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? Well, help come by listening and listening to your parents. That's how help really comes because you'll know how to help them. Matter of fact, it, it, you're, you're strong as kids. And Proverbs 20, 29 says, the glory of a young man is in their strength. Help your parents go out and move things and do things at the home. Take out trash, clean your rooms, which is not fun. I'm a grown person and I hate cleaning my room. But it still needs to be done, all right? All right, you got, you got to do it. Matter of fact, this is what it says, and this is what your parents are trying to, to teach you, kiddos, by the training, by the directing, by you helping them, you're actually learning lessons. Genesis, Genesis 49, Jacob is blessing his children, and this is what he says. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours the prey. In the evening, he divides the plunder. What they're trying to teach us is that while we're young is when we go after stunk, while we're strong. Man, when you're 20, 15, man, you can sleep on concrete three hours, get up, go work a 20-hour day and do it again, amen? I remember when I was in college, man, I thought I was indestructible. I remember one time I woke up on Monday and didn't get to bed till Thursday. And I was working nights and stocking shelves, and I'll never do that again. That was a one-time deal. But when you're young is when you have that strength. If you want to be able to divide something, kids, when you get old to your families and leave that legacy, you do it while you're young. I devour, I go out and work hard while I'm young. That way when I get older, I have something to divide. If I choose not to, then I don't have anything to divide. 
So in your parents training you, that's what they're doing, amen? The second thing your parents need, parents need honor and respect. Can I get an amen? Amen. Ten Commandments. You shall not have any other gods before me. You shall make no idols. You shall not take the Lord your God name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. And then the very the fifth commandment says, honor your father and mother. God, 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 honor your father and mother. It's the same thing that they were trying to tell us in Proverbs. Amen. It says this in Ephesians 6 and 2, honor your mother and father, for this is the first commandment with a promise. So we get to walk in a promise of blessing and long life whenever we honor our father and mother. Now I'm gonna give you some help here, young people. Here's some practical things of way you can, you can honor. Now helping and listening is key, okay? But here's some practical things, okay? Facial expressions. <laughs> it's funny, dude, it's funny. I'm 36 and sometimes I get my dad facial expressions, okay? So we all struggle with it. Facial expressions, when there's correction and guidance and direction, what is written on your face? Amen. One of the best chewing out I ever got in high school was by an ex-Marine. And he, I asked him a question and then he answered it and I looked at him funny and he just tore me apart. And he said the primary reason why that correction happened was because of the face expression. He said, you gave me a look. I'm like, okay. Yeah, we know what we're talking about. Facial expressions. Don't have a stone face, but be engaged and listen to your parents. Verbal responses. Great way to show honor and respect. Don't y'all, as parents, I just hate the phrase whatever. Whatever. That makes me want to nap of the throat type deal. Not whatever. Or, or how about, okay. No, no, I told you to take out the trash right now. I didn't say tomorrow. Verbal responses, kids. That's how we can really show honor because it shows that we're listening and we want to help and we want to engage, amen? Obedience. Obedience is a great thing. And this is the thing, young people, the Bible warns us. It says that God requires obedience over sacrifice. And what he means by that what the Bible is talking about is sometimes we can give up all kinds of time with our friends and everything else and, we, and we're there and our attitude is horrible, our facial expressions are horrible and, and we're not being obedient and we're just making it harder. That's what's really going on. And many times when we're with our parents, if we'll have the right attitudes, the right direction, and then a lot of times you won't have to sacrifice as much as you will when your attitude's bad. You really won't. You won't have to sacrifice as much time with your friends and with other things that you want to do. This is the final thing, and everybody needs love. Listen, for us to communicate as parents, for us to communicate as children, we all do it in love. First Peter 4 and 8. Above all, keeping, keep loving one another earnestly. Listen, if that's really at the root of what we're doing, we're going to make it. Amen? That I really earnestly want to love my parents and I want to do what honors them, what builds them up. I want to pray for them. I want to sing psalms and hymns and protection over my family, amen? Even as a youth, as a parent, I earnestly love my kids. So when I direct and chain, uh, train and discipline, I'm doing it out of a heart of love. I don't want them to fight many of the same battles that I fought amen. and lost at. We want our children, right, parents, to be winners, to be overcomers. That's what the word says. And we're doing it honestly out of, out of earnest. Now, how do you spell love to a child? How do you spell love to a parent? T-I-M-E. 
That's how you spell love. Find ways to spend time with your kids and be engaged while you do it. That's going to help you when you discipline them. That's going to help you when you train them. And that's going to help when you direct them. Teenagers, young people, find time to spend with your parents. Be willing to sacrifice some activities. Be willing to lay some things down and just play board games with them at night at their house. Something that seems really cool, be ready to sacrifice that. Because the time you spend with your parents is crucial. And this is one thing that I know, and I'm only six, but the older I get, I don't have a rewind button. It's those times of fishing, it's those times of whatever it is that activity that you and your parents like to do. When you sit down and you visit and you actually talk. And you put away devices and you put away things that will, will, will take your attention away. Amen. T-I-M-E, would you bow your heads with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.